Welcome to another edition of the Niner Sports Talk. I'm Cameron Williams here with my co-host Miles Reuter, and we have got a lot on tap this week as Charlotte football finishes their season 2-4 and four after yet another cancellation against Marshall due to COVID-19, as well as the men's and women's basketball recaps from the past week, as well as previews for this upcoming week. Women will play at home versus Davidson, and men's will be away against Davidson this week. Yeah, we got a lot of things to go for. Uh, this is my first time on the mic in about a month, um, we, but we still got a lot of things to talk about, and I'm excited. So let's start off with football, Cameron. Uh, football, like you said, started the football end of the year, two and four after another cancellation of Marshall. This is the second time they're scheduled to play Marshall, but this one again was canceled. Yeah, I mean it. To say this season has been a disappointment, I know I've said it before, but it's a understatement for sure. I mean, I, I don't know your opinion, but. I mean, to only play six games, it's it's just been pretty bad. I think one of the most disappointing things is just how much potential this season had. With all the players returning, coming off the first bowl game in Charlotte history, there's a lot of things to be excited about. Chris Reynolds was returning. We had Harbison in from Northern Illinois off transfer. We had Victor Tucker, a good defense returning as well, with Ben DeLuca, Tyler Murray, Marquise Watts. There's a lot of players returning, and there's a lot of potential to be really good and then COVID hit and everything stalled and it's just a disappointing season yeah and I talked to Jalen Fisher our center this week and he said while it is disappointing you know you can't harp on it you can't dwell on the fact that games were canceled you have to live every day you know work hard and move on because you can't do anything about it you just have to prepare each day like you are going to play and if you don't oh well that's the thing about this this virus is just it's so unpredictable. It's out of your control. There's nothing you can do. So there were so many times this season when Charlotte was going into a game, they're preparing, then they get tested on Friday or the opponents get tested on Friday, and then all of a sudden the game gets canceled on Saturday, the day before they're supposed to be playing. So it's just like they they put all this work in, preparation, expected to play, and this path, past month or two has just been – bleak with only one game played and it's just been disappointing yeah and again I feel for the seniors I mean terrible see terrible way to go out really um you know only only playing half your season roughly it's just it's got to be disappointing for them the only good thing is for Vendeluca he broke he finally broke the tackle record against Western Kentucky yeah <laughs> he was supposed to play two or three maybe even four games to break the tackles record but he finally got to play against Western Kentucky and so Congratulations to him for going down in the Charlotte Annals for at least another season. (laughs) And moving on into our next segment, we will recap the men's and women's games from the past week as the men played App State and the women played Campbell. The men's team uh, played Appalachian State this week and fell 61-57, to and it's noted that Charlotte didn't make a basket from the 9-0-1 mark till the 8-second mark, and... I wrote in one of my articles of the recap of this game, you know, Charlotte's got a phenomenal defense, but their offense has got to produce. When Jameer Young has 24 points and your next leading scorer is Milo Supika with 11, there's there's an issue there for sure. But, you know, I have faith in Sanchez. I think he can turn it around for sure. I think one of the things that's kind of 
keeping this team back is they're so reliant on Jameer Young. He's so talented, and he's easily Charlotte's best player, but you can't just rely on him. Other players have to produce, and when he has 24 and Mila Supika's the second with 11, my question is, where is Jordan Shepard? This guy was the leading scorer for last season. He hasn't had a great start to this season, so where has he been all this time? He just needs to get on track, get back to shooting the ball and getting getting it into the basket and scoring. Yeah, and I mean, I was at the game, and I can tell you that he looked okay, but I mean, he just, you could tell it was an off game for him. I mean, only shooting uh, one of five from the field, two of four from the free throw line, and only having seven points and four turnovers. That's that's not like him to do that. And so, you know, it, it might have just been an off game. Looking at it from last season, he averaged 14 points per game. This season, only 12, and all of his numbers are down. He's shooting less from three-point percentage, less from overall in the field. I haven't been to a bas- I haven't been to a Charlotte game yet, so I haven't been able to see it in person. But based off what I've seen, based on watching it on YouTube Live, he just doesn't seem as explosive as what he was last season. Yeah, I mean, that might be the case. Um he looks to be okay. He doesn't look like he's nursing an injury or anything. But one player that I can tell you for sure is on the rise is Jackson Threadgill. And this is just my opinion, but I think he might end up in the starting lineup sooner or later because in the last two games he had 11 points, uh, three of six shooting from beyond the arc. And the last game he had nine points on three of six shooting as well. He was three of three, and he missed his last three. But, yeah, he was uh, 100% at halftime. Yeah, just looking at that box score right now, uh, I mean, Threadgold played 32 minutes off the bench. Bryce Williams started, only played 11. He didn't shoot the ball at all. So a good idea or a good way to show if someone's ready to play more minutes is based on how well they shoot. Jackson Threadgold is definitely shooting the ball well, nine points. He was the second leading scorer against, or he was the third leading scorer against App State. So he, he's got confidence in his shot. I would play him more minutes and possibly get him into the starting lineup if he, feel, if he feels comfortable. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And Another guy seemed to have an off game was uh, Jerry Matos. I mean, only shooting one of nine uh, with five from three. I mean, all all of Charlotte's players besides uh, Jameer really looked flat. Um, and I'm not being too critical, but, I mean, Milos had a good game, five of six from free throws, 11 points and uh, seven rebounds, six of which are defensive rebounds. But turnovers really were a problem for Charlotte as well, turning the ball over 12 times. So... One thing I got to say about the the front court with Charlotte is I just feel like they have to play more consistently. Milo Supika, I watched the first game against ECU. I didn't think he played that well. Here, he scored 11.7 rebounds. And then Jerry Matos, 37 minutes, two points. That's not okay. That's bad. You have to play better than that. And it's just about consistency. I forget what year he is, but... Hey, the, he's the, a senior. He's a senior? Okay. Yeah. Well, if he... Well, <laughs> um, if he's a senior, he's been around probably before. He just needs to score and play more consistently, and that's what Charlotte needs out of him. Yeah, and it's noted that Supika actually was able to get some reprieve whenever he went out. Uh, Rosetto came in and put in good minutes, um, having four points on two of four shooting. And, I mean, he plays phenomenal defense. For To be 247, he plays really, really good defense. What do you think is – holding this team back what do you, like what is it about this team that just can't close out these games because they're they're in they're in close games and they're they only lost by four to app state what what's possibly holding this team back to be blunt scoring i mean as as simple as that sounds 
when you don't when you don't score a basket from the nine oh one mark to the eight second mark, how can you expect a win? I mean, if it weren't for the fact that they shot phenomenal from the free throw line down the stretch, this could have easily been a blowout. And Charlotte led at one point over double digits in this game. Yeah, because I was looking at a box score again. Charlotte was leading with three minutes left, 55-54 against App State. They end up losing 61-57. to Looking back to Georgia State, they're up by one with five minutes left. They end up losing by double digits in that game. So in my opinion, one of the things that they just need to do better is just close out games because they're in the games. Only It's really close. It's like one possession game. You just have to keep scoring. But like you said, scoring is an issue for this team, and they just they have to get better. And they can't rely on Jameer Young. Jameer Young put up 24. Who knows if he'll be able to do that every game. And if he doesn't, someone else has to step up. I mean, they've got the talent to do it. I mean, Matos is a great player. Shepard. A phenomenal player, transfer from Oklahoma. You know, played with Trey Young, who's an NBA player now. Threadgill, up and coming, rising star for Charlotte. They've got the keys to success, but they just have to play together for one thing. I mean, their defense is there. Sanchez, great defensive minded coach. Their offense just has to uh, get it together. I, I mean, I got faith in Jordan Shepard. I've, I mean, he's he went to Oklahoma for a reason. He can score the basket. He just has to find his groove in the year, and he'll find that eventually. It'd just be nice if he could find it sooner rather than later, and especially against Davidson. Yeah, and you mentioned Davidson, so we'll go ahead and recap or uh, preview that game. Um, Davidson comes in averaging seventy-five points a game, so this is not going to be an easy task for Charlotte to stop these guys with three of their players in double figures as far as their average is concerned. Yeah, I actually watched Davidson earlier in the year because they had a really close matchup against Texas who was ranked, and they only lost by two points. So if they can play against someone like Texas and only lose by one possession like that, it's going to be really tough for Charlotte to hang around. But it's all about scoring. Yeah, well, sometimes your defense is your best offense, and a team like Davidson who averages 11.2 turnovers a game, Charlotte can exploit that and turn their defense into offense. Yeah, well, that's just like how Charlotte likes to play. They thrive based on how they do on defense. That's what Ron Sanchez brings to the table. I mean, he loves defense, and that's why some players transfer from last season. They don't like the way he coaches where defense forms to offense. But that's just the way Charlotte runs and how Ron Sanchez is. If you play good defense, it it shows on how well you do on offense. And it can be a very successful system. Many might know, some might not, but Sanchez used to be an associate head coach under Tony Bennett at Virginia, and you can't argue with success. I mean, Bennett and Sanchez, they play the same type of defense, and Bennett's won a national championship as well as a couple ACC championships as well. So there is potential for success playing that type of basketball, but if this becomes a shootout against Davidson, it's, it's game over. Yeah, looking at their stats, they got five guys who have attempted at least 10 threes, and all their leading scorers are big three-point shooters they shoot at over 40 percent on the game they're like a type of team that lives by the three and dies by the three so it's going to be really important for Jameer Young Jordan Shepard and Bryce Williams to play good wing defense against these shooters yeah I mean Davidson's lived by the three and died by the three ever since they had Stephen Curry who's obviously now an NBA player but recapping the women's win over Campbell this week yeah so Women's basketball under Coach Consuegra, they finally got the monkey off their back, got their first win of the season after a couple of close losses to ACC opponents. They trailed 24-28 to at halftime, but thanks to Octavia Jet Wilson, she scored 16 straight points in the third quarter, 
gave her team the lead, and they never looked back. And that's just something that they need out of, a, out of someone like Jet Wilson, who is a senior. She's been at Charlotte for all four years. She knows how coach runs the game, runs their team, and they played perfectly in the second half. Yeah, I mean, a 16-0 run by one player, that's outstanding. And honestly, for a team like Charlotte, you know, providing that boost is really key, I feel. Yeah. Another thing about Charlotte that, like, even though they're 1-4, and four, they're, really in, they're really close in these games. Like, they, they could be a be, they could have a better record than 1-4 and four if they just could close out some of these games. Because like we talked about with the men's game, they're in the games, but they just have to close out. That's the thing. And having a good closeout, cl- good person that can close out games, with having someone that can close out the game by being a consistent scorer late in the game is really important. And it's always hard for smaller programs like Charlotte to find it because bigger programs, they can easily find it by getting the most talented player. But for Charlotte, it comes from inside, and these players just have to have that instinct. Yeah, and honestly, Contuegra and Sanchez, I feel, are both great player developers. It's proven sending several players to international teams. I think that Sanchez and Consuega are both great player developers as well. Yeah, and that's the thing. Under Coach Consuega, a lot of these players are really developing, especially you would think over the summer when coronavirus was hitting that it would be hard for some players to develop. Not for Charlotte because Jada McMillian, she's leading the team in scoring. She's the point guard of the team. She's playing well. Uh, JC Busick, she just earned Conference USA Freshman of the Week. So props to her for that. She's played really well in her freshman year, only through five games. These players are playing really well, and they're really thriving in the system, but they just got to get over the hump, and they finally did that against Campbell. So previewing the game against uh, Davidson this week, what do you think are some keys to the game for the women's team? Well, like we always say, it's about defense. Charlotte has hasn't played the best defense against the ACC opponents, but against Campbell, they only allowed 42 points. Davidson right now is 2-3, and three, but they are a high-scoring team. They really, they're just like the men's team, they score a lot and they score often. But the one key that I saw looking at the schedules against similar opponents, Charlotte lost to App State early in the year. Davidson beat App State. So it's going to be a tough matchup against... It's just going to be a tough game against Davidson, especially since they've beaten App State and Charlotte lost to them. It's just going to be a really tough game for them. It's also going to be important for Charlotte to stop uh, Chloe Welsh. She's averaging over 22 points per game. She's their leading scorer by a long shot. She shoots the ball over 50%, over 34% for the three-point line. Going to have to play good defense against her. Yep, so we'll uh, get into some predictions for the men's and women's team as they face Davidson this week. So what are your Score predictions, leading score predictions for each team, that kind of thing. Yeah, so looking at it for the men's, uh, they have to go on the road to play Davidson. Obviously, it's only like 20 miles north, so it's not going to have to be too far. But like we said against against the men's team, they have three high high scoring players. They like to shoot the ball, the, shoot the three ball often. I got Davidson winning this one probably. Jameer Young will have a good effort, but I don't. It won't be enough. Yeah, I've got Davidson winning. Maybe like a score of 72 to 65. And the reason I say this is Charlotte just hadn't has not proven to me that they can score with a team like Davidson who scores a lot of points. And so I think Shepard and Young will probably both be in double figures, but I don't think they'll get enough from Williams or Threadgill or guys like Supika to really give Davidson trouble this game. 
Yeah, I mean, that's just the thing about Charlotte sometimes is that they come really reliant on one guy and the supporting cast just isn't there. They sometimes disappear, they just miss shots. And against Davidson, you can't have that. They have three guys in double figures, like you said. Going to have to be reliable shooters, especially from the three-point line and on in, and in the interior. And I guess we'll just see if they can do that because they haven't been able to do it so far this season. Yep, so for the women's, uh, I'm going with a score of 69 to 64 in favor of Charlotte. I think that they're going to win. I think that they're going to play good defense and really stop Davidson's shooters and their top scorer as well. Yeah, I got Charlotte winning this one too. I just think Charlotte's the more talented team overall. Looking at their starting lineup, McMillan, Busick, Octavia Jett-Wilson, they're really... Those three have been around Charlotte for a while. They understand, well, not Busick, but the, the other two have been around for a while. They're more experienced, and I just have more faith in them to be reliable shooters down the stretch and to beat Davidson. All right. So moving into our last segment of the night, Charlotte brought in a quarterback transfer from Texas A&M, and this poses the question, does Chris Reynolds have some quarterback competition next year? There's definitely going to be a quarterback competition next year, and we'll see what happens. James Foster comes in from Texas A&M, and he's 6'3", 217, and I think he could give Reynolds a run for his money. I know Healy's a big guy on leadership, um, upperclassmen, but who knows? You got a good quarterback coming from an SEC team. It could be interesting. Yeah, we haven't. This just got released actually today, so we're kind of rough on the details right now. But just looking at his recruiting, he was ranked a four star out of high school, went to Texas AM, hasn't played a lot, but he was the number 12th ranked dual quarterback out of high school, has a lot of talent, and he's coming to Charlotte. And so it'll be interesting to see how he does in the quarterback competition against Chris Reynolds and, and Dom Schaffner. Yep, absolutely. And looking kind of at a year in review for Charlotte Sports. It goes without saying, uh, we've rebranded. We got new logos. Um, I, I personally love the new logos. I think Halton Arena, the new court, looks absolutely amazing. Yeah, initially when the rebrand uh, released over the summer, um, I was not the biggest fan of it. I thought it looked weird. I didn't. I didn't like it compared to the this like because the logo that we had earlier was so nice. It was like a it was a pickaxe and it, and it was in the shape of a C. So I thought it looked really nice. And then we went to just like this bland C with just a a pickaxe in the middle. I just, I didn't like it at first, but now that we're seeing it everywhere, seeing the uniforms that our players are wearing in football and basketball, plus the court, like you said. I think the color, I think the colors are a little more sharper. I think when you had that gold with the, with the green, it almost distorted both colors, kind of making them look yuckish. But I mean, these are just opinions, but I, I really like how the new green C with the pickaxe kind of pops and it's like, boom, Charlotte, you know? Yeah, it's kind of grown on me in the past few weeks seeing our players wear it. I still like the gold shiny helmet that we had from last, the previous years with the logo. The new logo, it's definitely not bad on the helmet. It'll grow with me in time, though. Yeah, I can't wait to see it on the field because the field still has the old logo on it. Oh, yeah. I did hear that Mike Hill is going to He's going to get that. He's also going to put turf on the field at some point. So it's going to go into a turf field, and they're going to have the new logo in the middle of the field. So that's exciting. Yep. And it's also noted that Charlotte's women's basketball last year before COVID struck had a 21-9 and record, which is huge for Charlotte sports. Yeah, that was the first time that – that's the best record that Charlotte had in, 
in a few years. So it was definitely nice to see them get back on track. Everyone start playing well. The only unfortunate thing is that they did have they did lose Jade Phillips after that year, which is which is partially the reason why they might be struggling so far this year. But Jade Phillips is in the professional league. She went to go play professionally in Portugal, while also Leia Ventos, who played uh, a few years ago, not last year, but two years ago, uh, she went to go back to Spain, where she's originally from, and she's going to play professionally there. Another huge um, accomplishment for Charlotte Athletics is Matthew Sharpstein, one of our men's golfers, finished in the top four at the U.S. Amateur, which is the most prestigious amateur tournament that anyone can play in. Yeah, that's awesome for Charlotte because they're not, we're usually not known for our golf players, let's be honest. Not many people pay attention to that, but it's always nice to see when someone from Charlotte makes it onto that list because it's so prestigious and honorable, honorable to be on there. And we mentioned it earlier, but Ben DeLuca finally break, uh, he broke the all-time tackles record for Charlotte, and that's really huge. It was just broken last season, but now it's been broken again. Yeah, it's good for Ben DeLuca because we've been talking about that for over a month now. They, they had a, a month in November where they didn't play a single game. We honestly thought it might not even happen. He might just stay tied with Jeff Gemmel for the rest of Charlotte and then finally got a game against Western Kentucky and he broke it. So yeah. props for props to him for finally breaking it. So we'll kind of start wrapping up, but looking at the NCAA college football playoff, who who do you, who's your top four at the end of the year? We've only got what, one more week and then it's bowl season. But who's your top four? Who's your final two? Champion. And then we'll also talk about Heisman winner. Who do you think will win the Heisman? So Right now, it's Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and then Ohio State. Notre Dame and Clemson are going to play each other this weekend. I would assume Clemson is going to win, but Notre Dame is going to stay in the top four. It's only a matter of whether they'll go to three or four. I'd probably, depending on how much of the victory Clemson wins by, because I expect Clemson to win, they'll probably go to four. So it'll be Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, then Notre Dame. I would have Alabama, Clemson in a rematch once again and i'd probably have alabama winning it yeah i would kind of agree to a certain extent on the clemson notre dame thing personally i feel the winner of that game's in the losers out notre dame and clemson played early in the year now trevor lawrence projected number one nfl draft pick for clemson wasn't playing so yes notre dame did win but i would personally consider that a fluke i think clemson's gonna beat notre dame I think Notre Dame's going to fall out. Um, but if Notre Dame wins and Clemson loses, they are not in the playoff, I would say. Yeah, Clemson, if they lose, is for sure not in the playoff, being at the three line right now. Um, Ohio State, if they win in the Big Ten Championship, that's another thing that the Big Ten kind of lacks the rules as far as the number of games you had to play to get into the Big Ten Championship. So that's kind of caused a little bit of controversy among different conferences, but... If they win against Northwestern, I think they're in. If they lose, obviously being at the four line, they're out. Bama can win or lose against Florida this week. They're going to be in regardless, being number one, undefeated. I've got Alabama winning against whoever's at the four, which right now is Ohio State. Um, I think Clemson will beat whoever. I think Clemson will win the AC championship and beat whoever they play, whether they're the two or the three seed. It's going to be tough. I mean, Alabama's offense has proven to be really outstanding this year, but Clemson, when they're healthy, their defense is killer. But I've got Bama winning 
31 to 27 in the national championship. And I've also got Mac Jones, their quarterback, winning the Heisman. Yeah, for the Heisman, it's it's kind of tricky because right now it's between Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, I would say. And the thing about Mac Jones is that he just came off the weekend and threw no touchdowns. He had no touchdowns on the day. And even yes, they're undefeated, but Kyle Trask, they did lose, but he threw three touchdowns. And I feel like Kyle Trask has played a little more consistently. So I would, I would probably go, but it also depends on the SEC championship because I think that's going to be the key of who wins the Heisman is who wins that game and who looks more convinced, who, who plays better in that game. But I would, but right now I would say Kyle Trask is the Heisman. Yeah, I mean, Trask has more touchdowns um, by like three or four, I believe, right now. Uh, he also has two more interceptions currently, but, you know, it's kind of up in the air. A lot of people like to argue that, you know, Mac Jones has all these receiving threats. Well, I mean, Florida's got a lot of talented receivers and the best tight end in NCAA right now. So, yeah, it's between Trask and Jones, but I think Jones – I think Alabama will win the SEC championship and win the Heisman as well. Yeah, I would definitely say Alabama wins the wins the SEC championship. I mean, talent's everywhere in the SEC, so there's the, I don't like the talent comparison because that's just it's everywhere. Everyone has talent. Every team has talent in there. So it's just about who plays better with what you got. Yeah, and to kind of close out this uh, holiday edition of the Niner Sports Talk, we're going to talk about our favorite Christmas movies and traditions. So, Miles, I'll let you go first. What's uh, some of your favorite movies and traditions you and your family do? So I'll just go over a couple of my favorite movies for Christmas. I got uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That is a classic. There's That is my favorite Christmas movie. Also, like, Elf, Will, Will, I forget. Uh, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell is really funny in that role. Um, and then maybe a controversial one. I don't really care, but Daddy's Home too. That one is also that is, hilarious. That is a phenomenal movie. Um, I'm surprised. Not a lot of people know that movie, but it is hilarious. Mark Wahlberg. Um, oh, gosh. who? Will, Will Ferrell, but who's... Um, Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson, yep. The Patriot. Um, <laughs> that movie's good. Um, some of my favorites are kind of overlap. National Lampoon's also my favorite. Um, I like some of your classics like uh, Home Alone. Um, Great movies. I even like some of the old claymation movies like uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, that kind of stuff. Um, some of my favorite traditions, you know, uh, we get together with my grandparents on Christmas Eve, open presents, that kind of thing. But uh, you have any traditions you used to do? Well, we usually go to church on Christmas Eve. Not sure if that's going to happen this year, but that's usually a tradition of ours. Um, we also, so we usually just stay home uh we watch the Christmas story when we're opening presents and we just like, we just spend, we just spend company together. We just enjoy each other's time together because we don't get this all the time. It's Christmas time, but we just like to be in each other's company and enjoy it. Yep. I mean, that's kind of the name of the season, you know, being with family. So from myself and from Miles, we want to wish every one of our listeners a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year because this will be our last podcast until we start back to school on the week of January the 17th. So from me and Miles, have a great one. Merry Christmas.